Welcome to another episode of Three Men in a War Game. I'm Paul, and I'm really confused because it's like noontime. I'm Kevin, and you stole my intro. Thanks for that, Paul. I am also confused. This is a strange time for us to be recording, <laughs> uh, but there's a good reason for it. Yeah, there is a fantastic reason for it. Uh, we have with us today James Baldwin from over in the UK, uh, which is one of the reasons why we're here so sunny early, uh, which is fantastic. Um, but if you don't know who James Baldwin is, he is the creator of The Drowned Earth and the current Ulaya. Did I say that right, James? More or less, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Kickstarter that's up there that's, that's set in the Drowned Earth universe. Um, so, James, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Uh, sure. Well, thanks for, thanks for inviting me. I am currently sitting uh, in sunny London. Uh, the the uh, rumours of the terrible weather that we get in England are grossly exaggerated. Uh, we've had uh, beautiful <laughs> blue uh, skies and sunshine for about five weeks straight now. Pretty much the, the same amount of time that we've been in quarantine, just to drive everybody completely <laughs> insane. <laughs> so now all of a sudden there's a new class system uh, in Britain. It's not the rich and poor anymore. It's those who have gardens and those who don't uh, oh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah as you said i i um uh, a few years back um released the drowned earth miniatures game on kickstarter after working on it in my spare time for uh, a number of years and decided to uh, go whole hog and make this a, a full-time career uh, and we've been doing that for uh, for the last two years. We've been at retail. Um, we've just released uh, a new title, which is confusingly um, both a standalone game and kind of an expansion for Drowned Earth at the same time. Lots of the mechanics are similar. It uses the same range of miniatures. The world is the same. The scale is the same. Um, the difference is that this is a solo and co-op way to play a war game. Uh, and so it started off as an expansion project, but it just kind of turned into its own thing. And it made sense as we were developing it to cut away a lot of the extraneous rules from Drowned Earth that were great for what Drowned Earth was trying to do, but doing what Ulaya Chronicles is trying to do, which is create a much more narrative campaign-based solo and cooperative experience. Um, they didn't make as much sense. And so we, we paired them back in order to make room for basically having AI decks that control crazy, angry dinos that want to eat your face. Sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can never go wrong with crazy dinos that want to just gobble you up. I mean, I fully support that as a game concept. Yeah, I mean, sure. it's simple. It's simple, simple stuff, really, isn't it? <laughs> That's right. Um, go ahead, Kev. I'll say that uh, that actually pushes us. That answer pushes us right into the interview. So before we get too in depth, James, why don't you give us the elevator pitch first for the Drowned Earth as a setting and as a game? Uh, and then secondly for Ulaya Chronicles. Okay, so um, setting-wise, obviously they share the setting. They are both set in The Drowned Earth. And the Drowned Earth is uh, what I've heard people call a post-post-apocalyptic setting where uh, a number of hundreds of years ago, nobody knows exactly how many, um, so there was a terrible event. It destroyed a globe-spanning high-tech civilization. Um, and now the world has much higher sea levels. It's much hotter. Uh, and it's a very tropical environment with lots of jungle and swamp. Uh, and those jungles and swamps are filled with dinosaurs. 
uh, and the people who live in the drowned earth, the, the pre-fall civilization was a, uh, was a human civilization. It's ambiguous as to whether it's our world or not. Um, but now uh, humans are just one of many races because uh, the pre-fall civilization were uh, genetic engineers and gene splicers um, and they created a lot of uplift and uh, uh, spliced um, hybrid races uh, of various different peoples. And uh, since everyone's been trying to survive in this uh, increasingly hotter, wetter and more tropical environment, um, some people have done better than others and some uh, species have done better than others. And the dinosaurs in particular um, had been uh, resurrected kind of Jurassic Park style, but but the, the, the exact story is that they uh, the pre-fall civilization was basically messing up the environment and, and messing up the planet. Um, uh, lots of uh, species were going extinct. And so in order to try to preserve the, uh, the food chain in particular environments and not have, not have the entire uh, sort of uh, wildlife population collapse, they just tried rather clumsily to replace... Uh, alpha predator with another similar alpha predator but obviously you know lions and hyenas don't cut it in this world anymore so why don't we try velociraptors that's it. what could possibly go wrong with that plan uh, <laughs> and so hundreds of years later um the uh, uh dinosaurs and other uh prehistoric species that were revived found themselves in an environment that was quite a lot like the one that they originally evolved in and so they've been thriving and uh it's awesome yep. it's honestly one of the coolest settings thank you so so cool man <laughs> well i basically just mashed together everything that i thought was cool when i was about nine which is the coolest i've ever been <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's the coolest any of us have ever been let's be so. honest <laughs> so so i gotta ask and this is something that i've often wondered about the drowned earth um you know there's there's a mysterious something that happened and just out of curiosity do you know what that mysterious something was? Do. You don't have to tell us what it is. I, I just I want do. to know if you There know. are clues, and I feel as though uh, in the years to come, as we develop the fluff more and write uh, more um, material in the world, it will become clear uh, to that th there'll be more clues and people can take educated guesses. But for the moment, I think it's hard to guess. Uh, but I now, that's cool though. Like, I love that. Well, yeah, a little bit of mystery is is a good thing, and 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 I sort of I wanted to put the players or the 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 readers, uh, so to speak, uh, in the same position as the people who live in this world that they don't know, um, and so rather than that kind of uh, it's sort of you know uh, walking through uh, back from the fourth wall into the third, you know whatever the opposite of breaking the fourth wall is, um, right? It's it just sort of seems like a nice idea to put yourself in their shoes. Uh, and the people who are uh, living in the world now are trying to rebuild society and, and, and finding, having very interesting conversations with each other about what, what it means to have a society, how they should do these things, um, what they're all searching amongst the ruins of the, uh, uh, the pre-fall civilization for bits of technology to try and reverse engineer some of their tech. Uh, you know, they're, they're, and in a weird kind of way, all at the same time, you've got a steamboat and you've got a petrol engine and you've got, you know, some places have got electricity and they found ways to generate electricity. And, you know, so you can imagine some parts of the world are maybe kind of 19th century technology um, and some parts of the world are way back into the Stone Age. It, you know, just like our world, it, you know, the level of technology varies from place to place. Uh, 
But really the big battle of the, the setting um, is how this knowledge is going to be used and, and whether people discover it to share it and make a better society or whether they keep it to themselves and, and, and leverage it to, um, you know, gain power and to uh, power and control sort of thing. So that's the setting elevator pitch. Uh, I, I guess it's not, I mean, it was a long, we, we went right to the top of uh, a skyscraper there, didn't we? Uh, <laughs> no, no, that's all right. That's all right. That's the kind of elevator ride I want. A good, good entertaining one. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the, um, <clears throat> the, oh, hang on, that's my alarm telling me that I've got to, uh, I've got a podcast with you guys. Uh, <laughs> um, well, we're glad you made it. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> um, so uh, the, uh, the Drowned Earth uh, elevator pitch is basically a, uh, a game uh, with a very, very cinematic uh, adversarial game style where the reaction mechanics allow these real sort of moments of drama uh, which define the entire game. Um, fuse that with a bunch of uh, very streamlined mechanics for movement or really one streamlined mechanic for movement which allows you to run up walls jump off things carry on climbing all in one action so you know that thing a lot of a lot of uh, games do where you want to climb so you move to the bottom of the thing and then in the next action you climb but maybe you were only two inches away from the thing and you're like well why can't i keep going well in the drowned earth you can we've got we've got a sort of fairly fairly straightforward dice mechanic which where there are two levels of success you roll two d10s and you're trying to roll under your number you either do it once or twice if you do it once you've got two numbers for your movement stat um, if you roll one success, you move the shorter number. If you roll two successes, you move the longer number. And it doesn't matter how many different types of movement you chain together. So you can swim a bit, climb out of the water, and then leap onto something all in one action. All that matters is what dice you've rolled. Uh, so that allows for a very, very free movement. Of course, th this is only the, the sort of complicated movement. You don't need to roll uh, dice to, to walk along normally. Uh, but that's um, uh, th uh, combined with, uh, you know, it's a pretty cool environment. And so it's a game where you want lots of multi-level scenery. Uh, and so the best games are ones where um, because you can react and you can also react in the middle of an action, you can nest actions inside each other. You can basically leap out of a window as you're falling into the water, shoot somebody that's on a bridge uh, 10 metres away. They can, um, you know, Mexican standoff style, shoot you back all in the same moment. And uh, you do that by saying that you're going to do it and you both, roll, uh, you both roll two dice and that's it. Compare the results. Just, just, just even listening to that and, and visualising all of that in my head, it is so cool. <laughs> Well, that's definitely what I was it's going just, for. It's the well, you best. pulled it off. And it, and I mean, that's what's work. great about it. It works. Yep. For sure. Uh, and then, and then, just quickly to follow up uh, with the new Kickstarter, what's the what's the elevator pitch for what sprung this into existence? So the uh, the new Kickstarter is based on Drowned Earth mechanics. A lot of them are similar. It's a flat map. There's no there's no climbing and, and leaping. Uh, but basically you are playing a uh, solo and co-op experience uh, which is very narrative driven. So we've got a, a series of narrative cards which basically um, 
they control the scenario for you. So you know, a lot of the time in a in a in a war game, you 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 read sort of you know a two page scenario, and you've got to remember all these special rules and do all this sort of stuff. We just do it with card flips. So the first you you in your little campaign book, it says, okay, so you know you're you're the the captain that's going to sail you uh, away uh, decided to go and investigate a crash site that he saw in the jungle a little while ago, and he doesn't come back. So mission number one, you're going into the jungle after him to try and find him. Um, you you find the crash site, no problem your first objective is to get into base to base contact with the crash site when you've done that flip the card and then when you do that you flip the card you read a little bit of story so you found him he gives you a bit of conversation and he gives you two choices and then you're either going to do choice number a uh, choice a or choice b and that determines which card you flip to in the second chapter so to speak so chapter one you find him then there's two chapter twos depending on your choice and then they both converge back to a chapter three, or it might be the you know that that's that's an example rather than the way that all of the scenarios are structured. Um, very cool. Uh, but yeah, the the uh, the idea is that it gives you a very your your uh, video game uh, style. You are starring in your own movie. So you hinted at the core mechanic a little bit of the Drowned mm. Earth, uh, and I think the core mechanic or the, the conflict resolution or test resolution mechanic is one of the things that really helps the Drowned Earth stand up in the largely, uh, I think, uh, populated miniature war game yeah. space now. Yeah. Um, and it's because it's, it's very unique in, in the way that it works. And I wanted to ask just to detail it a little bit further, the different sure. colors. Uh, how the system works, the difference between just succeeding and nailing it, sure. and then also uh, let us know how that persists in Ulala Chronicles. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, it's it's um, the same dice mechanic almost exactly, um, and I'll I'll explain the uh, there is a slight difference, um, not not really in the resolution, but just in the what the enemies do back to you. But you are doing the same thing. So you have two colors of d10s. Um, uh, there's a green one, which is the attribute die, uh, and you're trying to roll equal to or under your attribute. You have to roll equal to or under your attribute in order to succeed at all, um, with one exception, which we'll come into in a moment. The second die is called the feet die, and on the one space, it has a special symbol called the feet symbol. When you roll the special symbol, number one, um, you will uh, nail it. We'll come to what nail it means in uh, in a moment. And number two, you can ignore what happens on the attribute die. So it's basically like a critical uh, a critical success. Uh, however, if you roll uh, a success on the attribute die only, then you've passed. If you roll a success on the attribute and the feat die, then you've nailed it, which is a better version of success. And if you feat, you've nailed it, but additionally, you get your action point back. So you can kind of chain a, a number of actions together if, you, if you're lucky enough to keep on, uh, to keep on rolling those. Um, so a couple of other things can happen. You can roll a double, which is a, a double, which is also a fail. Um, if you roll a double over your attribute effectively, then that's a blunder and various bad things happen. Probably you'll face plant on the ground or your gun will explode in your face or something comedic like that. Um, but, uh, the, what the, the two different results that you get, the pass and the nail it, they correspond to, uh, most of uh, the, well, not most, but but many of the numbers in Drowned Earth are number slash number. 
Um, so your movement, for example, will be four slash six. If you're just running along and you don't need to roll dice, you just move six. Um, if you're doing something complicated, climbing, uh, leaping, etc., um, then you will roll the dice and if you pass, you're going to move four and if you nail it, you're going to move six. Similarly, the uh, damage values of the weapons, um, if you uh, nail it, you're going to do a higher level of damage than if you only pass. Um, and if you're shooting at long range, uh, many weapons have a longer uh, range value. And so then if you nail it, you will be able to shoot at that longer range. Yeah. And the really neat thing that I want to make sure people are thinking about while they're listening is you have to declare your intent before you roll dice. Yeah. So if you need to, if you need to jump over something that's six inches and your nail it is six inches and you roll and you just pass, you're falling. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's it. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It gives you these really interesting decisions that you have yeah, to make. There's a lot of there's a lot of risk versus reward going on there, which uh, which is what yeah. I was going for. And and so in Ally Chronicles, you're doing exactly the same thing, but the enemies are always fighting back. So uh, whereas in in the regular game, uh, you've got action points, and reacting uh, also costs action points. Um, so again, you've got those interesting choices about, am I, uh, do I want to spend all my actions? If I do, I'm vulnerable. Uh, whereas if I keep one on me, maybe I'll waste it. But on the other hand, um, I have a much higher chance of at the very least defending myself if I'm attacked. Um, in Aliyah Chronicles, the beasts always uh, fight back. So if you're close combating, they will close combat. If they have a ranged weapon, some of them do. We've got Dilophosaurs. They spit poison, of course. Um, <laughs> and those guys uh, will shoot you back if you shoot them. Uh, any other kind of dino that doesn't have a ranged weapon will try and dodge. Uh, but the difference is that they only roll one die. So they are always uh, fighting back against you, but they're not quite as good as you are. Um, cool. So they're only ever going to pass, except that their die is very much like a feet die. It's called the frenzy die. It's a different symbol. Dinos win ties, and the frenzy symbol trumps everything. So if they roll that, even oh. if you feet, they're winning. Um, very cool. So that's, dangerous. That's, that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it is scary and it, it you know it represents the danger of the world uh, i originally when we were first play testing i had you know players uh, winning ties and i'm like no that just doesn't feel right i mean let's 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 make them afraid uh but the good thing about the uh, the the sort of three dice mechanic is that you just put them all in your hand and roll them together um and after you've made a few dice rolls it's really easy to to just grok the result and say yep um that's happened or this has happened uh, so yeah. what it means is one thing that I was aware of is number one, um, games with AI systems can be a bit fiddly anyway. Uh, and AI and a reaction mechanic as well sounds like it could be super fiddly. So I wanted to find a way of making that as absolutely streamlined as possible. Um, and I feel like uh, uh, once people have uh, played through the first, we've just got a little prologue scenario, which is basically just two models aside, uh, which is just two hero models. And it's more or less a video game tutorial. It's a walkthrough. So you've got a little walkthrough document. You don't need to read the rules. Once you've got through that walkthrough, and you've played through that first scenario, you should know everything you need to know. And if you've forgotten anything, there's a rules reference book uh, to look it up uh, for subsequent scenarios. 
Very cool. If you'll forgive me here, it sounds like you've nailed it. I hope. Oh, oh I see what you did there. <laughs> Do you know what? It, uh, it after, seems pretty straightforward. After two years, I'm amazed you're the first person that's cracked that joke. So, so kudos <laughs> oh, to you. No, no way. <laughs> you actually no are. Way. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to eye roll real yeah, hard. No, when no. <laughs> very, very good. Okay, so let's get into into the game a little bit more. Sure. Uh, I watched a couple Let's Plays, and I become very interested in the heat deck, yep. which is kind of like how uh, the scenario plays out. Yep. And then also, well, let's talk about the heat deck sure. first. And what what I immediately thought of, because I play a lot of Marvel Champions yep. and the Arkham Horror LCG, yep. and the heat deck reminds me a lot of those mechanics. And I was just hoping you could talk a little about a little bit about the inspiration for that mechanic and how the development went of it. So I have been a big fan of that kind of... I, I, I remember first seeing something similar to it in the Lord of the Rings card game, the Fantasy Flight yep. Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. card game. Mm -hmm. And I feel as though um, I also... I've never played uh, Terranoth, Heroes of Terranoth, which I think they did the Warhammer adventure card game and then Terranoth was kind of, because they lost the uh, the license, the they, yeah. they yeah. then, they'd obviously done all this development work and decided to set it in their own universe. I haven't played what, that one, but I did play the, the Warhammer one. And the, just the whole idea of um, being able to... Uh, tell a story through card flips I think is is great and it works really well um, and I just think that there, there, there were a lot of opportunities um, to tell that kind of story with a miniatures game and, and doing a, a one or two unique things um, which would really lean into the the miniatures side of things um, so I'm not ashamed to tell you that it's just uh, it's shamelessly uh, stolen uh, or uh, adapted um, from uh, the various Fantasy Flight. And there's another game as well that I can't remember, um, an old uh, um, Counter and Hex war game, much older than the Fantasy Flight ones, which which does a similar kind of thing where you've got you've got a sort of deck of objective cards that you're that you're stacking and flipping in order to tell a story. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, development-wise, um, it's mostly just a case of it's not quite the same mechanic. We've got two decks of cards, and you're racing to get to the bottom of both of them. So the heat deck is the danger of your environment. Uh, whereas I think in in Arkham, anyway, I haven't played Marvel, but the heat deck, uh, uh, the uh, I've forgotten what it's called. Um, Anyway, the, the one you put the doom. Yeah, yeah the on, doom. Right? Is it yeah. called the doom deck? It could be, but it, I don't. No, it could I, be. It, <laughs> it's, it should be if it's not. It, I, it's like the yeah, adversary yeah, yeah, deck the, or whatever. The, yeah. I'm, the story deck. Can I swear on your podcast? Absolutely. Yes. Good. Right, because we we actually <laughs> called the the um, uh, in Arkham Horror when we were playing it, a friend of mine and I um, called the adversary deck the fuck you deck. Um, because because yeah, right. <laughs> that really like. just how it felt. It's like, oh, you know yeah. what? We were doing terribly, and now we're doing just a little bit better. We're still doing badly, but it's just about okay. And you you take whatever it is, and you're like, oh my god! Like they <laughs> you know, just yeah. the game reached yeah, out so you know, and slapped seven you. More goals on the table. <laughs> I I love mechanics like that though. In the the Fantasy Flight Star Wars RPG or the Genesis system, yeah. there's a red dice, and we call it the fuck orb for the same <laughs> yeah. reason because whenever it goes into a role it just causes the worst things to happen yeah 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 no i like that one too actually i played a few sessions of that uh, a couple of years back um but yeah the in in um lie chronicles the heat deck is um it isn't just a timer 
Um, it is, it's more, you know, sometimes you'll get stuck on the same card, but what the card is doing is putting a bunch of, of difficult um, obstacles in your way. Uh, and so um, your sort of, your, your objectives uh, are one deck and the danger is another deck. And you're, you're basically trying to navigate between those two decks and get the balance between working through them right. Um, I, I imagine that there's a bunch of metagaming you could do on your second playthrough if you really if you really want to and I would encourage people to uh, do that and you know sort of see see how how well they can do it these but I think first time around it's best to just do it completely raw and, and experience the story it's uh, it's fail forward anyway there's there's never any kind of you've lost go back <laughs> to the beginning kind of thing Um Mm-hmm. I like that. I, and I like that about Arkham Horror too, is that it's fail forward. Yeah, mo- so mostly. I like that you, you pulled that. <laughs> but, well, yeah, that's true. The more recent ones, there yeah. isn't as much fail forward. But the original few uh, blocks, at least, were. Yeah. Yeah. And compared to the Lord of the Rings one, where if you died, you had to just, just reshuffle and go again. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I think uh, so it applies. It's, it's a quote that's often misattributed to uh, Picasso. Um, and I don't know whoever who really did say it, but uh, good artists uh, copy, uh, great artists steal, um, and I I feel like that 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 works exactly for for games because you can't you can't possibly and you wouldn't want to design a game where every single mechanic in it was something completely new because part of that the familiarity of mechanics that you already understand is how you learn how to play a new game and, and, and you sort of speak the language, so to speak. Uh, and it's more, it isn't really about having uh, completely innovative mechanics all the time. It's about the way in which those mechanics um, uh, blend into each other and how they combine to create a new experience. And so what, what I think you want to do as a designer is, is not um, make a totally innovative game and it's not make a game that somebody else has already made but it's cherry pick uh, the mechanics that are going to deliver an experience that no other game delivers. Brilliant. Yeah, I like that a lot. As a person who's designing a game that you, I don't want to talk about too much, I, I'm doing that, right? Yeah. So it feels good to hear that from another designer. So my, my, my follow-up question to that, James, is do you feel as though if somebody were to say just jump into the Ulaya Chronicles, would it be fairly simple for them to then pick up the drowned earth and begin playing that yeah and they would also have a whole load of components that 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 they then don't have to buy again as well because you know a lot of the a lot of the uh the tokens that'll come in the box and things like that uh, the miniatures etc you can use in both games um so it's a big head start you'll have the dice uh, the dice are the same um and the uh core mechanics are the same there's a little bit more detail there are a few more things um uh, dice modifiers and things like that that we've that we've scrapped uh there are a bunch the skill system for heroes works completely differently um in in drowned earth you've just you've got profile cards with skills on them uh in Alaya chronicles you've actually got skill cards that you that you get as oh. you as you as you move forward um and uh you know the Alaya chronicles is is uh your your heroes are unnamed 
uh, and you get to name them yourself and design them the way you want and that kind of thing. Um, mm. So, yeah, I, I think um, it's a great entry. I wouldn't describe Ally Chronos as, as a gateway game necessarily, although it's a game in a box. And, and so that's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it comes with standees um, and you can upgrade those to miniatures as much or as little uh, as you choose. Um, but uh, once you've got going with it, you'll find the step up to Drowned Earth is, is really, really easy. Although I don't think Drowned Earth is a particularly difficult game to pick up anyway. No, I, yeah, I would agree. And, and a little bit more into, into how it works and going into the AI specifically, mm. I, I feel like AI could be very hard to design in a grid-free system, right? There's yep. lots of games like <clears throat> Blackstone Fortress or Imperial Assault or Gloomhaven that work great on hex yep. and square grids. But I can imagine AI behavior being difficult to design in a game that has free movement and the po- such a great possibility for emergent gameplay. Yeah. And I was just curious, you know, for me, if that was difficult, if it was how fun it was maybe to think about how each dinosaur was going to work and how those basic behaviors were going to yeah. work. Yeah, well, it, it, it's definitely, um, I think there are two parts to it and and i mean this this sort of goes for designing anything really but you 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 start off with the concept part and then basically um once you've got an idea of how you want it to work and you think of a number of different solutions uh to that you try them out and then it's just a lot of play testing to refine it and say whoa hang on a minute that that feels a bit weird um, and sometimes you do that quite far in you just go with it for a while and then something sure. starts to stand out and you're like no this doesn't quite work properly and and so it's just a case of refining and refining until until you've got the right thing definitely without a grid system it is tricky that freedom of movement and i think it's mostly to do with trying to create a system which is genuinely intelligent um, it isn't just random programmed movement um, yeah. because they they need, as far as I'm concerned, they need to act like, um, I mean, their objective most of the time is they hate you and they want you to die. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they've got... Sounds like my ex-wife. <laughs> hey! <laughs> um, but of course, they've all got various different ways of doing that, depending on what kind of dinosaur they are and what kind of enemy they are. So we've just unlocked uh, what, what we've called the pirate AI deck. But what it really is, is a, is a sentient creature AI deck. Uh, so slightly more self-preservation there, slightly more intelligence, um, slightly uh, slightly more refined. Um and, uh, you know, the, the big design objective for me was that I wanted them all to feel very different and to have different personalities. And so that you could you could predict what they might do, but you couldn't I mean, you could you could guess at what they might do without predicting their next action, uh, if that makes right. sense. Yeah. And have you just out of curiosity, have you played any Kingdom Death? Because I feel like Kingdom Death does. That. I haven't actually. Uh, um, that, yeah, that's, that's, that's a, that's a gap a... in the gap in the research. And that's okay. That's just a, it's a game that does that. As does the Dark Souls board yeah. game. Not quite as well, yeah. uh, but similarly. Yeah. I, I, I that's really exciting. That makes me even more excited to play the game. Well, I like the way that Gloomhaven does it. Um, yeah, Gloomhaven's. And... I like Gloomhaven too because it has a persistent way, so that as a player, you know what the overarching rules yeah. for how AI behaves, yeah. and you can expect them. And then every monster has its own sort of unique feel based on the cards for those creatures. Yeah. Yeah, well, ours, ours is a little bit similar to that. It was actually Gloomhaven that made me realise that the AI decks could be quite small and so that I could. I was working with a general AI deck that we'd, we'd have AI, de- AI for ranged things, AI for close combat things, 
um, and make them uh, make them much bigger decks. And it was playing Gloomhaven that I thought, hang on, I could totally do this as well. We could have every oh, single dino can have a uh, can have well, not every single dino, but every single dino type can have a unique deck. Why not? Um, yeah, and also hmm. knowing that you took Gloomhaven, that means that also every dinosaur can have one or two cards that are like, "Oops, you didn't expect yeah, that to happen." Yeah, yeah, yeah which <laughs> is really fun. Yeah, and and also the you know different profile cards, and we've got we've got alpha profiles, uh, and the AI cards have got uh, special action triggers that if you pull a card with the alpha uh, trigger on, then it'll trigger that extra uh, action oh, if you're resolving cool. uh, an alpha's action Against that an alpha. kind of thing. Neat, um, neat, but neat, yeah. Neat. The uh, yeah, so the the AI has definitely been challenging to get right, uh, and and mostly it's it's about two things: it's getting it right, and it's about getting it s- uh, so that they're behaving in the way you want them to behave. But it's about making that a smooth experience as well, um, because I feel like in I would say in Gloomhaven it is quite a smooth experience. In The Walking Dead, um, uh, All Out War, it is a smooth experience. I think it's a bit of a shallow experience in that one, personally. Yeah, um, yep, me too. But, it, but it's smooth. Um, and then in um, Imperial Assault, I think it does work. So if you've played with the app, um, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was it thinking does about, work, yeah. but it's um, it's a little bit peculiar at times and that and it's it i find it slightly unclear that there are there it requires a little bit of brain burning to say hang on a minute okay so it wants to be four away uh, but it wants to be four away against everyone but is there a priority order and it, it's just a little bit hokey at times i think um mm-hmm. and so that one felt a bit more fiddly to me than i liked uh purely because i think they were trying to uh, program in uh, quite different types of movement um, while at the same time um, using an overarching set of rules that applied to everything. Um, so I hope in Alaya Chronicles it's you don't really need to remember too many general rules. There's a general rule that if you're in base-to-base contact you don't bother to draw a card for that dino. It's just gonna, it's just going to bite you. Um, and a general rule that if you attack them, they will attack back if able, and if not able, they will dodge. And those are really the only general rules that you need to know. Everything else is described on the cards. Um, And so the cards will tell you uh, a couple of things. They'll tell you the target of the action, uh, and those are symbols. There are three different types. You've got the nearest model, the nearest model in line of sight, or the nearest wounded model. And it'll go for one of those and it might go for, you might find it just only has one target. And so if that target isn't present, you don't resolve the action or it might have an order of targets. Um, And so the cleverer dinos will go for uh, the nearest model rather than just the nearest model in line of sight, for example. Um, And they won't just give up if they can't see anyone. Some of the stupid ones are like, there's no one around, so I'm not going to do anything. Uh, The next thing they do is they tell you what the dino wants to do. So it wants to move towards you, but uh, there's a stop condition. So it wants to move towards you and get into base-to-base. And then after the base-to-base symbol, there's another option, which is, for example, cover. So it wants to get into base-to-base. If it can't get into base-to-base, then it's going to stop for cover. Um, and cool. so I think basically there's there's a little bit of grammar to learn with the cards, but my experience of playtesting it with people is if they've got a little card reference of the symbols, and there are only six or seven symbols, it's not it's not a lot to remember, and they're also quite intuitive. You know, the the nearest model in line of sight is an eye, 
um, the nearest wounded model is a blood drop. You know, so you're oh. you're gonna you're gonna understand them pretty Easy. quickly and easily. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But my experience is once people have resolved one or two cards. Uh, they uh, and the first couple they have to I think it's true when you play any kind of game they have to translate the symbols uh, but once they've done it a couple of times they start to do it really smoothly and by by the end of the first playthrough they're they're reading it like they've just been you know told in plain English where the model is supposed to go uh, so I, I think we've achieved it with the AI and that and that whole process there it seems like it uh, really fits into what we talked about before and not having a grid system, right? Being able to have that dinosaur adapt if, you know, this way, if it's, if it's not getting into base to base, it's not just out there flapping in the yeah. wind. Was that part of the thought process? Yeah, there? yeah absolutely. Um, yeah. It's, it seems like an uncomplicated if series of if then else statements. Yeah. And it, it really actually works in free space. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly the, 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 uh, if then else is exactly how I started writing them, and then I thought, okay, well, that this this works for playtesting to work out a system, but we we have to find a way of of pr simplifying the presentation so that it isn't, um, it, you know, Agreed. it doesn't I, look I like, like a pro, you know, a, a series of programming. programming. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like you're reading. <laughs> exactly it doesn't look like you're reading is. Python, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, no, I like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And another thing that I'm quite proud of um, is the. Um, the, the fact that this AI deck can be imported directly into Drowned Earth, and so you can play with AI dinos in Drowned Earth as well. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh, so good. Yeah, yeah. and they, so the, yeah. what we've done is a system of movement um, where basically it's a traffic light system. There are three different uh, colors of movement symbol, and they correspond in Elia Chronicles each uh, terrain tile has a little uh, symbol telling you does it block line of sight um, does it give you cover and what kind of movement do you need to move through it basically oh. um, and if you've got a green light then you can go through green if you've got an amber light you can go through amber and green and if you've got a red light you can go through anything Oh, you know, it would be a neat product to make, James, would be little acrylic tokens that were that system that you could play uh, down assign 3D to, terrain that yeah, you've created. Yeah, yeah, assigning those to 3D terrain is definitely a thing. And so they'll they'll correspond to uh, green movement is just running around on the flat uh, and mm -hmm. the amber movement is climbing or leaping. Um, and Very anything cool. that's red is is a big no. Um, I'll let you in on a little secret that I've designed the red in because at some stage we may be in the next Elia Chronicle. So this is only the first chapter. Um, there'll be different yep. stories, but it's a game system. And I'm hoping if this one does well, it seems to be so far, um, that we'll release a new story and a new chapter. Um, and that one might have flying models in that that have uh, red. <laughs> um, those will obviously right. be have the the red movement symbols on their cards most of the time. Okay, neat. I'm excited about. Yeah, that. I mean, well, ter pterodactyls, right? <laughs> yeah, let's yeah, do exactly. it for sure. And moving along a little, let's let's break into the game, the box, right? Because the one thing I want to say is it is all in one, yeah. right? You buy the box and it has everything you need to play. And I think brilliantly, you've put a pledge level in that has just cardboard standees. Yeah. And if I'm correct, every pledge level gets the standees. Yes. So you can even play with those before you. That's right. So at a very, yeah, a very affordable price, which makes it great. But the question I want to ask specifically is actually around the characters that come in yeah. the box. Because you told us a little bit before that the, the player can assign meaning to them. But I'm assuming they have some archetypes. Yeah. 
And I'm curious about how those archetypes are differentiated, how they level up between scenarios, and how players might leverage them to work sure. together. So the uh, there are a couple of things about the the heroes. They are, as you say, each hero is an archetype, uh, and within that archetype, you'll be able to build it different ways during the course of the campaign. Um, but they're they're racially specific. So the Barangi are the name of the the giant gorilla people. Uh, she's uh, she's the tough, which is basically a tank style of archetype. Uh, we've got a brawler that's uh, close combat uh, damage uh, archetype, uh, a marksman that uh, she's the range damage archetype, and then we've got a scout who is tricks and shenanigans, basically. Um, we didn't go for a healer. Basically, during the course of the campaign, um, anyone will be able to learn how to or have the ability to heal. Um, it's uh, with with uh, miniature game movement and action points and things like that where you might want to split up quite a lot um, and getting around is quite expensive in terms of resources. Um, it seems punitive to expect one character to move halfway across the board to heal another one. Um, Agreed, and I like that. Um, so if you've only got one healer, that's a problem. And then I thought about AOE heals and things like that, and I thought no, because then it then it's getting too much like a video game, and 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 I don't mind mm -hmm. suspending disbelief on that kind of stuff for a video game, but I really don't want to do it for a uh, for a tabletop miniatures game. And also in the setting, like the way the ground the drowned earth works, it's not a leap to assume that if you're surviving and thriving this world, you know how to take care of yeah, yourself. Yeah, you're going to be able to patch yourself bit. up a bit. Yeah, and yeah. so there's patching yeah. yourself up, and also if you go down another the model has to revive you but it doesn't have to be a healer class anyone can do that okay um, all right cool that makes yeah and sense. so there are skills later on that make some models more effective than that at that kind of thing than others um and so that brings me on to your next question which is how do you level up so you gain xp uh during um uh during the uh course of the game uh, and you spend that XP on skill cards, basically. And each character archetype has a little deck of still skill cards that they can choose from. Um, and there might be synergy between different skills within the deck. There might also be synergy between different uh, skills in other decks as well. So you and your friend can both choose to go down a road together where you synergize and help each other um, in a kind of uh a way where you know there's a difficult challenge but you can kind of set your friend up to score uh if that makes sense that's a a soccer analogy mm -hmm. i don't know if it makes sense we, we, we're, we're both, both football fans. Oh, okay. cool. yep. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah the cross uh he crosses you score kind of thing always feels good in a co-op game and i i really i wanted to make sure that the game for solo players it presented an interesting puzzle uh, where you went through the process of looking at the skills that you've got available to you and working out how to solve the problem that's in front of you. And with in the co-op environment, that, that same dynamic means that you really have to work together as a group and it isn't just you all running off and doing your own thing. So that, that I think that's an important thing in a, in a co-op game, really. Agreed. Totally agreed. One of, the, one of the things you talked about with the with the characters is that they're they're kind of no names or whatever, and then you build them up. Um, is there a way uh, currently or, or even to use characters from the Drowned Earth uh, in this? So it's actually the other way around. Uh, so the character models, if you buy the character pack, um, it's got the four characters. We've also unlocked 
uh, arm swaps and uh, additional weapons. Uh, so you'll be able to build the miniatures in a number of different configurations. Um, we're very close to unlocking the head swaps as well. Uh, so you can really sort of customize the look of them a little bit as well. But those models also double in Drowned Earth as unnamed troop profiles. So that box is going to come with a couple of troop profile cards for each faction. And then whichever faction oh, you've got, okay. you can build them to be a particular um, a particular profile with, with the weapon uh, options that you've got. And we're, I think we're going to sell the uh, a little uh, pack uh, with the extra arms, weapons and heads all as an additional pack. So you don't have to buy too many multiple um, hero boxes to you know it's annoying to have to buy three boxes to get three Agreed, of the weapon yeah, yeah. that you want you know yeah. that sucks it's, no, it's why I'm not rich obviously because uh, these <laughs> kinds of nasty tricks are how companies get successful but I'd uh, I'd rather be happy and I'd rather my customers like me uh, <laughs> yeah, fair enough uh, but we do people have asked about um, characters uh, in the Drowned Earth coming into Eli Chronicles and I think um, We'll do it in a couple of different ways. Number one, I think we'll do some custom scenarios, maybe some print and play scenarios where um, your Drowned Earth characters are adversaries. You're not playing them. You're playing against them mm -hmm. uh, or maybe playing on their team, you know, helping them out, that kind of thing yeah. as well. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is that I'm hoping, we, ha we haven't got there yet, but I'm hoping we're only three days, four days into the Kickstarter now, uh, but I'm hoping that we're going to unlock some alpha profiles for existing Drowned Earth Dinos. So what we're going to do cool. is if you buy mm. an alpha, uh, let's say you buy an alpha Uteraptor, that alpha Uteraptor is not only going to be an oversized gnarly sculpt of the uh, um, uh, the Uteraptors that you're used to in the game, it will come with a Drowned Earth profile card for an alpha profile, a beefed up profile. It will come with an Ulia Chronicles profile card, double-sided, regular and an alpha side. Probably, actually, probably two profile cards. I think we're going to have um, juveniles, regular profiles, and alphas as well. Um, but it'll mm. also come with the AI deck for that dino type. Amazing. So you can play that. You can then import those into Alaya Chronicles. Perhaps it's a difficulty setting. You know, you 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 want to you want to ramp mm -hmm. up the difficulty. These Magnosaurs are too easy. Uh, so bring bring in the Uteraptors. Proxy proxy them in, and you've got your Uteraptor deck, um, and that'll make life a bit more difficult for you. Love it. One of, one of the things I really like about that approach is that it allows you to, uh, as as a customer, it allows me to to buy models that function in both games but i'm not suddenly bringing in a drowned earth hero who's going to just break ulia yeah. chronicles because they're so yeah. powerful yeah yeah that's that's exactly right uh and uh i think to to some degree um as they won't uh they they wouldn't have their drowned earth skills uh they uh it's a little bit more difficult i'd like to do it but re in an ideal world in order to make them the heroes in in a perfect world you'd not only uh, import the model and an Elia Chronicles profile card, you'd need a 10 or 12 card skill deck as well to upgrade, so mm -hmm. that they'd upgrade during the campaign. And, uh, you know, we've got like 50 character profiles, so we're definitely not in a position to be able to do that for every model in the game. Um, but maybe, maybe we'll great. do it for a few. Uh, I think probably not in this Kickstarter, but we'll see. Yeah. I, feel like, I feel like running into, like, Kaneda 
out in somewhere would be pretty dangerous and scary and fun thing to yeah, have happen. Yeah, I really I, I really like the idea of you your characters playing against the characters that you know. Yeah, like um, accidentally like oh shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean Imperial Assault does that, don't doesn't it? it you don't you can't yeah. play Luke and Leia, but but they might they might join you. Uh I, I think mm. that's right. I haven't played it for years, but yeah, and and I, I I like that. I like having those as bad yeah. guys, right? Yeah. Or or not even necessarily a bad guy, but maybe somebody, AI companions. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Or or you know, somebody you happen to come across who at this moment has a different objective than you, so you're at odds. Yeah. You know, right. and they might disappear from the adventure afterwards. But I mean, it's just neat to. I guess it's like the MCU. Somebody pops up, and you get excited that they're showing up for a second, and and you're getting to play yeah. with them and, and use them and. Uh, that's 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 really exciting. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. All right, but now that we've got people on the hook and we've been talking for about an hour, let's talk about <laughs> the Kickstarter a little bit. Um, I want to just really quick. I'm I'm going to highlight the pledge levels because I think they're sure. brilliant. Um, you've got the lowest pledge letter le- level, which comes in at about fifty US, and that's a single box, all standees, everything you need. Just pop it open and start playing. Amazing. Upgrade it to about eighty six dollars US, and now you get your metal sculpts for your heroes so you can play with your heroes upgrade that to about 120 bucks and now you're looking at a pack of dinos so you've got some metal dinos and you've got your metal heroes and then a little bit more than that up at 210 so we're talking at that like deluxe uh you know bigger hobby level board game now you've got all your dinos big dinos everything you could possibly need all the gorgeous metal so it's important to note that the game in order something that i was aware of designing it is that you can't just expect people to have you know hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of of, uh, models in order to be able to play the game uh Mm -hmm. and so there's a there's a hard cap on the amount of uh, dinos you need and that deluxe pledge is the maximum frequency of everything and what I'll say is looking at the number of backers, it's clear to me that you've done this correctly in that every pledge level has a, a similar high number of backers, right? A lot of times you'll see like a cool mini or not campaign where 85% of the people have pledged at one yeah. level. Um, and I think it's, it's better to give people uh, not just a one size fits all, but a size that fits your budget. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. it's clear that you've done it right because you've got a pretty equal distribution of backers among those. Well, I think if I, I mean, I, 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 I don't like to pat myself on the back too much, but I think one thing I can definitely <laughs> and honestly say um, is that I'm very customer oriented. I look at it from a business perspective. I look at things from, from, from the customer's point of view and I put myself, because I am a war gamer, I am a gamer, I am a consumer. And I think to myself, what, how would I want this to be um, if I were them? Uh, and I'm acutely aware that not everybody wants to paint miniatures. Uh, some people love it, some people don't. And I don't want to exclude those people from being able to play the game. Um, at the same time, uh, I know there are a bunch of people who've got a whole load of models already. They've got Drowned Earth models. Uh, they're happy proxying and they, they don't want to drop uh, the big level. And so other people just think, well, how about I start with that and I'll collect it slowly as I go. Um, so mm-hmm. basically, yeah, it's just um, for me, it's just about thinking about the different the different kind of uh, approaches that a customer might have to, to getting into the game and trying to facilitate that. 
Yeah, as I say, even the miniatures curious board gamer, you know, can go in at the standees. The person has only played Gloomhaven with standees, and they're already comfortable playing yeah. with standees on a yeah. board, right? That gives them a really good price point, place of entry, and and, and a way to like dip their toe yeah. in. Yeah, and I definitely don't want to. I don't want to deceive people and and sort of present it as a board game. It's why I wrote War Game. I think it's a bit confusing for for a lot of board gamers to see War Game because they usually associate that term with kind of you know counter and hex. Uh, sure. you know sort mm-hmm. of um, uh, or commanding colors that that kind of thing uh, but you know of course for us miniatures gamers we call it wargaming um, yeah. and uh, yeah I, I want to be completely clear with people that you know if you're expecting a 100% board game experience this you know I, I said this has dungeon crawl style mechanic it's a wargame with dungeon crawl structure it is not a dungeon crawler if you don't like that style of game, if you don't like free free movement and tape measures, um, then uh, it's not going to be for you. Uh, but if you are curious about uh, about miniatures games, or you like them a bit and you haven't dived uh, in uh, uh, deeply, then I think it's going to be um, interesting for you, uh, and it'll be a good entry into the wargaming world. And for wargamers, I don't know very many wargamers that don't play board games as well and who don't want richer narrative experiences. Um, And I feel like uh, us miniature game designers really should be learning uh, some of the innovation that's been going on in the board gaming world over the last 10 years um, and importing some of it into what we do. Awesome. And and I know personally for me one of the one of the great hooks when I first looked at this Kickstarter was the word solo. Yeah. Because there's yep. so many times where you're sitting around at home and you're like, oh, nobody wants to play a game. What what am I gonna yeah. do? And you settle on something else, or you're like, I you know you don't feel like painting yeah. or whatever, you know. And and this gives me an option to be able to pick this uh, up and, and play well, and, and scratch that. As itch. you become an adult. It's just harder and harder to schedule games night, isn't it? And, you know, people, yeah. there's, there's a great uh, little cartoon somewhere about, uh, you know, I think it's a and d one, but, you know, little cute figure saying, what do we want? And they all shout games. When do we want it? Monday, Tuesday. Actually, I can't do Tuesday. You know, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's just uh, that's that's unfortunately adult life uh, and so sometimes you just want you know impromptu you're in the mood you haven't scheduled it you haven't organized it you can't just phone people and get them around right now so pull something off the shelf and play it solo mm-hmm. cool yep all right so like now, the holy grail for me honestly yeah, yeah for sure and it, and it, i think you're you know you're you're get you're there I, i'm very very eager to play the game awesome awesome um, now I'm going to ask you the tough question, given the the nature of Kickstarters and the number of questions and FAQs and comments that I see on them, yeah. I wanted to ask, what is one thing you hope people don't overlook as they're browsing through this Kickstarter link and, and checking it out? Looking so at the uh, there's several answers to that question. I think that the, the most important one for me is the one that I've already said. I've, it's presented a little bit like a traditional board game in that there's a board and standees and thing, and, and cards and things like that. And I, I wouldn't want anybody to misunderstand uh, and not understand that it is it is definitely... Um, its DNA is in uh, miniatures wargaming and its free movement and tape measures and that kind 
of thing. So I think that's a very important thing to note. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to go to the Kickstarter page and not realize that it's it's you know solo and co-op. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know that's also <laughs> like a, a huge selling point for me. Um, but really, I think the thing that I'd really like people not to overlook is that when you buy into uh, this game, I think the option is there, you don't have to, but the option is there to join a really, really animated and fantastic community of enthusiastic people. You know, we have a great time on Discord and on Facebook and people are constantly sharing their work in progress shots of their miniatures and things like that and being encouraging to each other and you know it's really really nice we i designed uh, everyone who backs the kickstarter within a few days and maybe not the same day as backing but i will email you a personal thank you and um a little one page rpg system that that i wrote for the game it's it's two pages it's one sheet uh, anyway, and we've mm-hmm. been running uh, we've been running sessions of that over Discord, uh, and we're going to run some sessions of it um, uh, on on stream later in the campaign um, as well. Um, so you know, there's there's lots of stuff to do. It's it's a it's a great community to be a part of, and actually, it's the bit of the whole project that I'm most proud of. Awesome. Yeah, that's a that's exciting. I mean, and and you're talking about Discord and people sharing pictures and, and just going back to Drowned Earth for a second there. I mean, you have to be seeing people do some amazing terrain yeah, for yeah, that game, yeah. and that that that's got to make you feel yeah, good. Yeah, it does. It definitely. It's a game that 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 was a magnet to all the hardcore terrain builders um, because I think you know the the sort of um, the uh, how do you put it the uh, the sort of main appeal for a lot of people is the aesthetic um, of the world and being able to create that on the tabletop. Uh, uh, you know, people do some really incredible stuff. I think the the, the sale of uh, aquarium plants uh, over the last two years has definitely <laughs> skyrocketed due to Drowned Earth. <laughs> I, should, I should have shares I, in uh, no, <laughs> yeah no kidding i have i have ordered uh i would say i think four or five unique amazon orders that were just different aquariums yeah, yeah. for making ground earth <laughs> terrain you know any anytime anytime i buy terrain for a different game i think okay so if i use this for drowned earth where can i put the bright pink terrain yeah. for the aquarium yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. wonder how to integrate it in um, so I, I have a I have a question. Thinking thinking beyond Kickstarter, and I think you've hinted at some of these. What what are you thinking about? What might be next for this game? Well, so for Ally Chronicles, I uh, I'm really hoping if we don't unlock them at Kickstarter, then I will slowly, as I can afford to, um, release the alpha sculpts uh, that that I was talking about, which are which are suitable both for Drowned Earth and uh, Ally Chronicles. Um, so that's one thing that's in the pipeline. Something else uh, for Ally Chronicles is obviously if this Kickstarter goes well and people like it, um, and uh, you know we we uh, do well with it, I will definitely make a second one. Um, so Ally Chronicles, you know that it's it's a plural, um, and so you know there's a clue there that w- that we plan on making more, uh, not chapters of the same story, but different stories, um, and release an- another boxed set with different dinos in it, a different setting. Uh, maybe we'll change up the mechanics a little bit, add some, um, not not uh, the core mechanics, but introduce some extra elements to spice things up a little bit. Um, so that's a that's a a big goal. It was my goal to begin with was to 
design a system that I could then write lots of stories in because actually the the story writing and the developing of the world and and the the fluff and the background and that kind of stuff is um, possibly my my uh, favorite part of the whole thing. It's why I did it all in the first place. The the game was basically a vehicle to make a world um, because I tried to world build in the past, but never having a purpose. I never really mm-hmm. stuck at it, but this time because I had a clear purpose for doing it, um, uh, I I did, and I I'd really like to write more in it. It's difficult being a one man band and having to do um, product development and uh, fulfillment and organize all the boring business side of things as well, um, keeping things in stock, etc. Um, you know, running running your own business is is time-consuming whatever kind of business it is um Mm -hmm. but uh and it means that i don't get to just sit down and write stories as much as i'd like to because i can't monetize them um you know that there are ways uh that i can justify doing a lot of the other fun things that that i do like commissioning the sculpts and the uh, artwork and that kind of thing but but just sitting down and writing creatively there's just not always time for it um but if i can find a way to do that you know maybe one day we'll release an rpg i'd love to do that there's no no immediate plans to do it now just to manage people's expectations but i'd I'd like to in the future um i mean you've got a core mechanic that i could see writing rpg rules for like it's there yeah well the 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 one page rpg system is also because i figured most people will already have drowned earth dice so it uses Mm -hmm. the same dice mechanic um perfect and uh yeah i mean the the dice mechanic for drowned earth was was pretty influenced uh, by rpgs anyway the multiple levels of success and the critical mm-hmm. uh, successes and failures um so it lends itself quite quite well to that i think um uh, but yeah yeah uh, i think so drowned earth wise we've got uh, uh, all of the factions need another leader option which might change up their tactics mm. a little bit and I'm thinking about more interesting ways to introduce maybe some dinos which are faction specific, or maybe the factions get access to a specific Im- um, improved profile um, for a, a, a particular dino oh, type. So they've got like anyone can use the basic one, but they've got their favorite souped up version. Ooh, okay. They're they're, like they're trained one. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty. That's pretty yeah. fascinating. That's a that's a cool lever to yeah. pull. There's and a lot you and can also, do with that. like, make lets you make you easy use of existing sculpts, right? Yeah, like uh-huh. a, a, a cool little way to give. Uh, you you said you're player focused, right? Yeah, that, that just speaks to it. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So, uh, as you were talking about that on the Ulaya Chronicles, and just thinking, you know, before you went and did a, another big box and and getting onto story writing, but I feel like you have space in there to be able to do, you know maybe one-off adventures or, yeah. or smaller adventures yeah. using the tiles that come in this box yeah. and, and the characters so that come I, in this box. I like to think that I don't know whether that would be, whether we'd release a little pack, you know, and maybe the pack would have a couple of extra tiles and some tokens and some uh, and some cards mm-hmm. and a, f- a few miniatures that were specific to that scenario. That's one way uh, that we could do that. And if that proved not to be viable uh, financially, um, then we could just make them print and play. Um, so that sure. that's another thing I was thinking about. But I think we're going to hopefully, uh, looking at the way the numbers are at the moment in Kickstarter, if we keep on with the momentum, we're probably going to end up releasing um, some extra stuff that I know people want, um, but within the context of having a single box product and not being able to cram much more in that box, 
Um, it, it's a situation where we'll make some standalone adventures um, as stretch goals, which uh, you'll get at Kickstarter, at, but you don't need them in the campaign. They're not an integral part of the campaign. So either you can play them standalone or you can play them as side adventures or something like that. I like that. Yeah, that's that's a that's a fantastic approach because because then you're you're keeping people's mind on the game as well, yeah. right? As far as as being being invested in it and and wanting to try out that new fancy without having to go through all that production of a full on another box game. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. So I'll, before we uh, start to wrap up, I want to ask one more question, a little bit on maybe on the business side. Sure. Uh, and, and the question is, you know, people want to get into the drown earth right now. They see this Kickstarter, yep. they get really excited and they know there's a game that's, that's available. They can obviously have access to the whole line. Um, but you know, with what's your current distribution for the drowned earth, how do people get into this game? If they want to start getting into the world right now, what's the best way for them to do so? Where should they be looking to get into groups to talk about the game uh, and where, where should they be trying to buy it? Who should they be talking to at their FLGS about where they should look? Well, so uh, we have uh, global distribution through War Cradle. And so um, if your uh, local game store has an account with War Cradle, they'll be able to get some, get some stuff for you. Failing that, we are uh, obviously selling it on our website. Uh, uh, orders to the US are um, free shipping above a hundred pounds. And so that's probably if 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 you don't want to go completely bare. I mean, eighty five pounds is basically the the rule book of starter box and dice. Um, so if you wanted an extra starter box or uh, you know a couple of couple of packs of dinos, it's quite easy to get to that hundred pound level um, to get it shipped out. Um, obviously, you know we're we're in the middle of Virageddon, and so uh, things the supply wise are a little bit more difficult than they than they normally uh, would be. Um, but we're still operating, uh, albeit a little bit slower. War Cradle is still operating, albeit a little bit slower. Um, when all of this blows over, it should be a, a much easier prospect, I would say. But our website is thedrowndearth.com. Uh, you can get everything you want there. If you're interested in the Kickstarter and you head over to drowndearth.com, you'll see the the the, the landing page is is a link to the to the Kickstarter, so you can check that out there. Uh, and yeah, you're right. We'll be we'll be selling the Drowned Earth range through backer kit. So if you're if you're not desperate for stuff now and you you're, you're willing to wait and you just want want it all to come at the same time, then uh, you you can uh, certainly do that as well. Oh, don't do that. Dive in now. Dive I mean, that would now. be my advice, but uh, Give in. you have Give something in. to paint in the meantime. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a fun game too, Drowned Earth. It's it's very cinematic. I mean, that's the only way to describe it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super proud of it, I have to say. All right. And one more question before I let you plug all the things you might want to plug outside of what you just did. If, because, you know, interviewers, flawed, we can't, uh, we can't come up with everything. <laughs> if there was one question, you, you've gone through probably two weeks of interviews of now. We've seen you on Beasts of War. Yeah. I've heard you on a couple podcasts. If there was one question you wish me or another interview would have asked you and didn't, uh, what would it be? What would the answer to that question Why be? are you so good looking? <laughs> <laughs> if only that yeah, were true. Sadly, nobody has ever asked me that. I can't think why. <laughs> I'm uh, all right. 
at the moment, I imagine anywhere you you guys can can see me, and I'm I'm joined by my cat who uh, decides she she needs to appear on uh, on every stream, every podcast. She she's not interested in me unless I'm streaming or podcasting, and then she's suddenly very That's, affectionate. Sounds like my dog. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was good. That was going to be my question: was what's the cat's name? <laughs> okay, well, this is embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> the cat's name is Muffin. <laughs> that's all right <laughs> nothing wrong with that well the the story is she was supposed to be my mother's cat my mum uh her her cat was on you know in in later years and so she thought well uh nice to have a kitten now and so then you know when the old cat in a few years uh uh passes uh, she'll have the new one uh and her husband was not happy about this at all so i ended up with the cat <laughs> Well, good. At least, at least it has a yeah. good home. Yeah, that's that's what's important, right? Yeah. All right, uh, and finally, James, thank you so much for coming on. No, no, you're um, most welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. And um, if there was anything else you wanted to plug, uh, so like, think social media accounts, Discord, Facebook, any groups like that that you wanted to shout out. Um, what would you tell our listeners? Where would you tell them to go? Places, groups to join. So the like um, uh, Discord is a, is a little bit of a difficult one. You need you need the link. So if but it, but you can get that quite easily on the Facebook page. So it's Facebook backslash the Drowned Earth. Um, also, if you join our Discord, dear listeners, and you should be on our Discord, then you will find the link for the Drowned Earth invite is pinned in our drama uh, excellent page. excellent that's right. good stuff we're also uh we're on tw- twitter not super active on twitter but i i plug at it a few times a week um uh instagram instagram is a good one i'm i'm proud of our instagram actually uh it's uh i quite like instagram it's just fun it's pretty pictures uh yeah but, um, yeah i found instagram to be great uh even just promoting the podcast and posting kevin's uh Paint yeah, jobs. yeah no it's it's nice there's a lot of enthusiasm on, on instagram um so yeah and uh, kickstarter wise i guess uh, i guess in the uh um on the podcast page you'll you'll have a link to the uh kickstarter because the url is is a bit um uh, not, not easy to say or remember um so <laughs> we'll, we'll put it in the we'll put it in the description so when people download the podcast it'll be right there. excellent yeah yep. yeah so check it out see what you think no pressure but uh it's uh it's going uh pretty well so far i'm really we uh i'll i'll, I'll do one little bit of boasting uh, because i was completely stunned uh we were funded in 23 minutes that's unbelievable yeah. amazing that's unbelievable. But that just goes to show how how good of a reputation you already have based on the drowned earth. It's it's hard to know that yourself. It's really easy to underestimate. And I underestimated how much people, you know, the the the, the following um and how many people were really enthusiastic and 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 excited. Uh and it was just, you know, it's great to see. It's humbling. You you sort of uh, don't believe you deserve it, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I heard somebody describe podcasting um, as sometimes you feel like you're just throwing bottles into the ocean yeah. and you never know if they're getting there or, or what the response actually is. But then you... Yeah, that, that resonates Yeah, and then lot. you have this experience where a bunch of bottles just came yeah. back to your yeah. island. <laughs> yeah, and that happened to us when we opened our Discord server. We had no idea. And then we created a Discord server and found out we had this really passionate community that was much larger yeah. than yeah. we expected. Yeah, <laughs> Yep. All right. Well, I think that uh, that about wraps us up. Um, so a quick thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon. Uh, join our Discord. And thanks to Static as a City for letting us use their wonderful music. Thanks for listening. Bye.